Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Thank you, Dave Slade, and thank you for listening to this Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel, along with Matt Eddy and J.J. Cooper. Our podcast and all of our Facebook Lives are all sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit the retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona. What better time is it to go to Scottsdale, Arizona right now, check out some spring training, and go to Baseballism store in Scottsdale. Visit Baseballism.com or enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. Actually, you should do both. You should go to Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017. Save 20% off your order and sport some of the shirts that you've been seeing us sport or the hats that you've seen us on uh, on our Facebook Lives, guys. You, you know, John, I think I'll take you up on that. I think I will go to Scottsdale and, uh, That's and check cool. that out. That's cool. I think we're both jealous of you for that. So um, so we're really here to talk about the, the anticipation of the Major League season, uh, taking a break from our World Baseball Classic fever. The fever's broken a bit because the Asian series are all done. But uh, it started play in Miami yesterday and in Jalisco, Mexico. Matt, did you watch Jalisco at all? Jalisco's ballpark is flame emoji. I love that ballpark on TV anyway. It was, I did not. You outed me. It looks awesome. You don't have the fever? Is that what you're saying? Well, I'll watch the U.S. games. There you go. That works. You've got to watch the DR games. I was going to yeah, say, the, I mean, DR. the DR, like you got the, the, the magic of the plantain is a, uh, is, is, a, is a really awesome. It is hard to get up. It's hard to get up for uh, for some of the Dominican pitchers. I will say that. Like, Fernando Abad. Fernando Rondi. It's awesome. So, um, now that, that, that's not what I'm looking for, but the, that's one of the beauties of the classic. But we're not here to talk about the classic. We're really here to talk about Tim Tebow and our anticipation of the Major League season for 2017. See, that's the thing that kills me about the classic. Really? Spring training is so sacrosanct that it can't be broken up for the World Baseball stinking classic. We got to give Tim Tebow a bats so you can not break up the sanctity of the sp- of spring training. That's why spring training. That's why this, the arguments against the classic kill me. They kill me, Jerry. A strong contender for rant of the day. Well, we've got a long podcast to go. Yeah, so this is, I consider that like a, at least that's no better than a fifty grade rant. Oh me. no, that was no, that was plus. You guys didn't see that one coming. That was plus. That was a plus rant if I could grade it on my own curve. But uh, but we, we we just put our major league preview issue to bed. We've got some interesting stuff in the major league preview. As always, our top twenty rookies. We have a kind of an in depth story on the second baseman and the change in the profile at second base and how that's evolved. Uh, second base was. Again, uh, ridiculous last season. Uh, two batting champions, uh, our top prospect, uh, our minor league uh, player of the year, highest ranked second baseman of all time. You can read all that in the next issue of Baseball America. But we also have our predictions, guys. We want to dive into the Baseball America crystal ball. Matt, w- which category did you want to start off with? Because I mean, I'm, I, you, I mean, I think we have we have a lot of ways to go with this. I guess one of the things that always, when you do a preview, you're always kind of looking to bounce back. Um, is one of the categories that's always in a preview issue. We have bounce back player, bounce back team candidates. Uh, let's start with bounce back player. Bounce back player is kind of fun because uh, for me, that's a it's a different definition for every person. Like, is it a guy who had a decent year, but you expect to be a superstar? Like a Justin Upton wound up having a decent year last year by the numbers. He had a strong finish for Detroit. He's certainly a bounce-back candidate. And there's other bounce-backs for other people are just, oh, guy who was hurt and missed the whole year if he bounces back. There's there's no defined uh, bounce-back or comeback player of the win, of the yeah. year. Who, who's your bounce-back candidate in our, in our uh, crystal ball in 2017? Uh, I went with Andrew McCutcheon of the Pirates. I think getting a out of— A compelling candidate. Getting out of center field and getting that— 
playing shallow, I think, got in his head last year. I think him, without the defensive demands and without the uh, the mandate to play more shallow, I think will will help him this year. You know, for me, JJ, he's also an interesting candidate because he's in the, he is playing in the classic, and there's people who think that's a bad thing. Um, I think it will be a good thing for him because I don't know how many players have a bigger chip on their shoulder than than Andrew McCutcheon coming into the season where you're the talk the whole offseason about whether they're going to trade you or not. Yep. Then you get changed positions. He's gone from face of the franchise of the Pirates to some people seem to think last year he was the problem with the franchise. And the funny thing about it is just that we're talking about all this and he could bounce back, but also he would be a good candidate for a guy most likely to be traded because yeah. – Austin Meadows is not far away. Austin Meadows is one of the best prospects in all of baseball. And you could see, like, Austin Meadows replacing Andrew McCutcheon, where you could make the argument that that could allow the Pirates to trade McCutcheon and not miss a beat. You could have made the argument that their best way to contend this year could have been trading McCutcheon for other pieces to help the rest of their roster and inserting... Uh, Meadows and left or in right and, and moving forward. That that could have been the argument. Um, I don't remember reading specific trade, uh, you know, uh, what, what a trade for McCutcheon would have looked like last year, but they would have been selling low on Andrew McCutcheon. Mm-hmm. And that, for me, that's why it made sense for them not to trade him. He's got to be better than what he was last year, doesn't he? Or do you think? Yes. Or do you think those days are past him, JJ? Is there a dead cap bounce in his future? I, I don't think he's to the dead cap bounce stage yet. I, I do think that it's something where it comes back to what do you expect out of him. He's not going to be an MVP-type player again, but he can still be a very productive player. He had a bad year last year. That doesn't mean his career's over. I just don't think that he's ever going to be again what he was when he was 26, 27. That's fine. It wasn't a horrible year, but the, de- the defensive metrics killed him, yeah. Matt, he wasn't, for sure. Yeah. Who, uh, who is your pick, JJ, for uh, bounce-back I, I, I player? I said Bryce Harper, and I said with the understanding, it wasn't that Bryce Harper was horrible last year. Like to me, like when we talk bounce back candidates, Jason Hayward is the that was my answer. epitome of bounce back candidate in that you could not be worse offensively than Jason Hayward was last year. That's but the thing is like, even though he was obvious, I think he, somebody had to write Jason Hayward. I wanted to make sure we wrote him in the he, magazine. And he spring training so far has been encouraging. It's spring training, but he doesn't look like he's hitting with a rolled-up newspaper right now, which is an improvement over what he looked like at the end of last season. I'm trying to think of other free agents who flopped that badly in the history of baseball. And I, I might pose it to Twitter and see if any of our followers help me out with this. Free agent flops. Because a guy who flopped that horribly and at the same time won the World Series, I can't think of anybody underperforming with a contract like that. Bobby Bonilla? Not close, I no, don't think. No. Not close, but that you know. Plus, I mean, still getting paid. You want to go? I mean, he's, <laughs> I'll he, show you the Bronx. He goes every year. He goes every year on June first. Denny Nagel. I mean, like uh, the the Rockies pitchers in like uh, like the, yeah, two thousand one. I think. It was. I, I mean, a position player to me would right, be pitchers, the perfect the perfect parallel for this. If yeah. you could find right, somebody, pitchers is easier to see a guy just falling apart. You get hurt. You know, there's different things. But like, but I when I think of a guy, guys having. Because the thing with Hayward, obviously, is is they are tied to Hayward for many years to come. This is oh, seven can, more years. But he yeah. can opt out, though. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the best laughs ever. I mean, that's really but no, uh, that's But, but my thing with Bryce Harper is, is I just think that Bryce Harper wasn't healthy last year for the majority of the season. Um, we'll find out. It, the reality is, is I think that this is a very important season for Bryce Harper that way. Right. In that... 
we have seen one season so far right. where Bryce Harper was everything that we expect Bryce Harper to be. And before that, it was an ascent. It wasn't like steadily steep. It was a little up and down. But it still was generally an right. ascent toward that point. He took a big leap. But then he kind of fell back to old Bryce Harper days last year. I know there were a lot of injuries. It was, a, it was an oblique strain that kind of uh, – it was a muscle injury that really dogged him all year. I believe it was in his shoulder, actually. But, but so what I kind of expect with that is, is that a healthier Bryce Harper, who's always going to have some injury problems, he plays in a way that is going to cause some injury issues. Right. And he's a – you know, he, that, that's just part of the Bryce Harper experience. But – I do think that you could see much more the Bryce Harper, which let's be honest, we're getting to the point now. He needs to have a you know from a if he's gonna sign the four hundred plus million dollar deal down the road, right. he needs to have another Bryce Harper as the greatest player in the National League. For what it's years. worth, Denny Nagels, uh, this is just ERA plus on BaseballReference.com. So for what it's worth, nineteen ninety nine, Denny Nagel had a uh, one oh nine ERA plus. 2000, Denny Nagel, 106, ERA+. Plus. Those are the years that he had going into free agency. His first year with the Rockies, 99, ERA+. Plus. Okay, so His second full year, 91. But the ERAs were 538 and 526. So <laughs> maybe in a less sophisticated yes. age, a less elegant age, as Obi-Wan would say. If he but, were on baseball tonight, he would, he would criticize him less stringently. Just to highlight a few other guys. Yeah. Just, Justin Upton, I think that's a good pick. Because he was really good for like a month and a half. But for the yeah. other four months, he was awful. Mike Moustakis, though, it's injury-related why he wasn't effective last year. Moustakis and Matt Harvey were two injury-related yeah. choices that our staff made. Who made those choices? Give those uh, credit where it's due. Ben Badler had Mike Moustakis, uh, Josh Norris had Harvey. Those are two interesting injury-related ones because, to me, Matt Harvey, like, a little bit more attention in New York than in Kansas City. We'll all notice if Moustakis struggles in Kansas City, but there are other factors going on with the, with the Royals. But Matt Harvey, when you put yourself out there as the face of the franchise and you put yourself on the cover of Sports Illustrated with that kind of access he allowed and everything on your social media is sponsored, basically, you kind of bring some attention to yourself and then to flop as badly as he did, uh, flopperman, as uh, Mark Darewitz used to say about uh, Jesse Fopper. Matt Harvey was bad last year before he got hurt, so he's coming back off thoracic outlet syndrome. And he is also kind of like... Uh, some of the other players we talked about earlier, McCutcheon and Harper, free agency is not that far away. Mm-hmm. If Matt Harvey wants to hit that giant jackpot, he better be good in 2017. It would also behoove the Mets if Matt Harvey were good. Although the thing about it is, is that what stands out for me is, is that the, the Mets, again, we're talking about being pretty well positioned. If I can see a scenario where Matt Harvey's okay and they're like, yeah, we're fine. Like, they he need doesn't to need to be their number one guy, right? If they, if they Bill reach, Syndergaard, pretty good. If they reach, yeah, if, if their other four starters reach their potential, he could be their fifth. <laughs> it would be fine. Behind Gesellman? Behind Gesellman, correct. Upset City, I don't think he's behind Gesellman. <laughs> we should have ranked Gesellman higher if but, we thought Gesellman But performance-wise, that, that could be the case. Yeah, that, that he's an interesting watch. J.J., I mean, how important to the what the Royals do is Mike Moustakis this year. I mean, they're... Again, they're a whole team of these guys with impending free agency. I mean, it's basically their whole roster. It, it is. I, I'll, I'll tangent. I'll go on a tangent after we talk about Mustakis. I'll this, allow him, which counselor. is no. If if Mustakis, I mean, he comes into the season. They need him. They need all these guys to be in the first half of the season, not just overall. They need all these guys. If these guys want to be playing together in August, they need to come out and all play well. Yeah. And I and and. With the tragedy of the the death of Jordano Ventura, I mean, there, it's it's fair to ask: Is that still going to be enough? This bullpen is not going to be 
what we've thought of with Royals bullpens. It's now Kelvin. It was the three-headed monster right. or the four-headed monster. It's now Kelvin Herrera right. and putting some guys around him, but that's not the same thing. And by any way, it can still be good, but it isn't like it's the defining characteristic of the roster. Right. They weren't very good last year as a bullpen. No, and, and which is, is an understandable. But they were good, but then Joachim Soria was awful. Jo- Joachim Soria is awful, and Wade Davis showed some wear and tear that's understandable after yeah. being a robotic after you know, pitching seven months for two years in a yes. row. Yeah, they you know that's the one advantage they have is is they're a little more rested. This they got a break. That's right. They got a break, but. The interesting thing with that, when we talk about impending free agency, okay, Moustakis has a very high variable on what he's going to be in free agency because it's been, at his best, he's been really good. And then there's been a lot of stretches where he's not been so good. But then you go across the diamond, you go to Eric Hosmer. And, you know, Eric Hosmer is going to be in the middle of the lineup, uh, it looks like, again, you know. He's in the middle of the USA uh, for lineup. Team USA. Which doesn't probably need to be. Right. It, which, But at the same time, as much as the highlights of Eric Hosmer would seem to be playoff-related, Eric Hosmer has... Ooh, how, is he like a guy who breaks the bank in free agency as a first baseman who hasn't really hit that much? We asked the same questions of Hayward. Yeah. He's kind of a similar guy, except for the fact that, you know, he's uh, he came into it with a World Series championship. <laughs> you know, Hayward did not. For me, the thing is, there's so much money in the game, it's... The, the, everything is oriented toward players like Eric Hosmer getting giant paychecks. You're a, you're, you're, he's not replacement level. Mm-hmm. He's better than that. He's not. I don't know that he's in the middle. Maybe he is in the middle, but he's better than replacement level. He's going to get paid. And he's also, his value does not come from power alone. Mm-hmm. He is, theoretically, a more well-rounded player, a base runner, athlete, defender. And, so, I, and I want to see, like, I mean, it will be interesting to see, like, if he does leave, he also is a guy who may get a boost by going somewhere that... That's yeah. not as yes. you know pitcher friendly as as a, a park that the park that favors left-handed power would be huge for him. So I think I, I think this sets up the Royals as a bounce back candidate as a team. Guys, are, are they you know I think they could have a bounce back season. I think it's a lot harder without your Donna Ventura than than it was before that. Um, but they do have an ace and Danny Duffy who mm-hmm. really was fantastic last year in the second half. Um, I don't know that you know I'm not, I'm not sure how confident I am in the rest of the Royals pitching staff. Matt, were they any of our team? I don't think they were anybody anybody's they, picks for bounce back. They team received zero votes. What but, a shock! But we could talk. I'm shocked by some of these. This is when we talk about biggest surprise team of 2017. John, where did you go with this one? I went Twins. Um, part of it is my latent Twins fandom of just having done their prospect list for so long. I would like to see Byron Buxton and Jose Barrios and uh, Max Kepler and these guys do well. Miguel Sano. Not, not Sano. Okay. I like to see that. No, I like to see that team do well. A full year of a healthy Sano. Not trying to play third base or right field would be outstanding. So, uh, Eddie Rosario, I want to see those guys do well. But part of it is just that I thought that the 83 wins in 2015 were fluky. I really thought the 59 wins last year, they earned it, but I don't think they're that bad either. So, to me, they're just a natural bounce-back candidate to regress to the mean of those two years, which would be around 70 to 75 wins. I guess the mean would be around 70, but I think their, their ta- young talent getting better 
would be a little bit of improvement. So I'm looking for them to win between 75 and 80 games. I'm not looking for them as a playoff team, but I am looking for them to bounce back significantly from last year. In terms of run prevention, which pitchers do you expect to key this resurgence to 70 wins? Well, Berrios has to be part of it. Um, I would hope Hector Santiago is part of that. Uh, I hope that just getting rid of Ricky Nolasco, who was a disaster in Minnesota, is part of that. I'm hoping Trevor Bay, Trevor May, uh, I guess he just... D- I don't know. Is he still DJ Beef? Does he still have that alter ego? Uh, hey Beef. DJ Hey Beef. beef. DJ Hey Beef. Uh, yeah, I think Trevor May's part of that. But I think really, to me, Barrios is part of that. And getting something out of Kyle... Uh, I, I was about to call him Kyle Glazer. Kyle Gibson. Something out of Kyle Gibson. There has to be one year where Kyle Gibson is a league average pitcher. Um, I just think he's too good to be and, this bad all the time. So those are those are my answers. Okay. And but that's not a convincing answer. And top 100 prospects, Steven Gonsalves, as well, in the second uh, half. Maybe. I, I, would, I would like for them. I do think that if they can piece it together in the rotation, they have a lot of homegrown arms that can help their bullpen, whether it's Jake Reed or if Nick Birdie's ever healthy or Tyler J. I do think that's what they've drafted for so long. It would be mm-hmm. nice. If they were ever in it, I think some of those, some of those uh, young bullpen arms could really help. JJ, biggest surprise. I, I mean, I do think the Twins, like, I, I like that, John, from the standpoint of that they are – they were just so bad last year. They can't be that bad. That they can't be that bad. There's now, the too much talent there for them to be that bad. The frightening thing is, is they were so bad that they could be significantly better and still be really bad. That's what I'm saying. They, they could, could win they 15 have, more games and be 74 and 88. And that is awful for most teams. But it's a lot better than it's a lot better than going 59 and 103. I, I know that me and you disagree on this. I think the Pirates have I don't think Pirates. the Pirates are going to fall apart. You know, like last year was a big step back for them, at the first really poor season they've had. They yeah. lost. They won. They won 19 fewer games. Right. They went from 98 to 79. Right. That's, that's bad. It's bad, Jerry. I think. I think that they actually still could contend for a wild card spot this year. I think that last year what happened with them is is their pitching staff was completely unsettled. Um, maybe maybe they won't. Maybe maybe Jim Benedict was that important, and hmm. then you know him going to the Marlins. But I, I look at them and say they worked in so many young pitchers last year. I expect some of those guys this year to be ready to actually just take you know take the job and and be solid. That's who, where I think who, their run who, prevention gets better. Well, give name names. Okay. Well, Tyone. I think a full season Tyone. I think that you're talking about. Um, I, I think Glasnow gives them something this year at some point. I think it's still going to be somewhat erratic. but I He's think a volatile player. He ranked pretty high in our top 20 rookies. We'll, we'll have a whole separate podcast for that. But he's pretty. we ranked him higher, way higher in the top 20 rookies than we did in the top 100 prospects among pitchers. So we kind of split Again, the difference a little bit there. But opportunity is a big thing, and he there is opportunity there for him. Yeah. Yvonne Nova being there, is, as crazy as that sounds, is, is you know I do think important. Garrett Cole should be better than they need Garrett Cole to be Garrett the A's. Right. You won an ace last year. I'll tell you what kills me about the Pirates and why I'm not as optimistic is Chad Cool, Tyone, uh Ivan Nova, these are pitch to contact guys. Their defense has not looked good. Josh Harrison is a fine second baseman, but it's not like he's some gold glover. Josh Bell's a brute uh, he's a, he's a he's a tr- he's trouble at first base. He's not gonna help them. Shortstop, Jordy Mercer's a solid shortstop, but they also don't play him all the time. Sometimes they're going to play Harrison there. Sometimes they're going to play Kang, Gong there. Sometimes they're going to play Frazier there. Third base, Gong, Freeze. But that tells He's, you a lot that they have so many revolving doors shortstop. It tells you the number one guy is not a great defender. That's what I'm saying. So, And they don't have a number one guy who's locked in at any of those other spots. I don't think that's a great 
uh, combination. For me, that's a team that I would have liked to have seen them invest in one of those positions in a, in a top-shelf defender. They don't have that. Trade Andrew McCutcheon for Zach Kozart. Problem solved. <laughs> you know, and, and his orchestra, I hope. Straight up, <laughs> I hope that's, that's not what you're going for. But, yeah, they, to me, they need an upgrade at all those positions defensively. So I don't like the mix. That's why I'm not on the, the Pirates. If they're going to invest so much in the ground ball well, we're gonna, we're gonna, philosophy, match those up. We'll get into the Pirates again and disappointing. But for surprise team, I picked the Braves. I think a full season of Dansby Swanson. I think Ozzie Albies will be up in May or June. I think teaming those guys – Having that middle infield reliability and those two guys at the top of the order. And Bartolo Colon, right. R.A. Dickey in the rotation. I think Mike Fultonevich is probably going to take another step forward. They, they were a perfectly cromulent team in the second half last year. Exactly. They were, what, five games under 500 under Brian Snicker? Some kind of cheating. If you took the second half Braves last year, they were respectable. Yeah. I mean, we'll, just, we'll just make put this out there. I don't know if this ever made it into a podcast last year, but we, we bed-boarded over who was further along in their rebuilding uh uh, the rebuilding plans, the Phillies or the Braves. I took the Phillies and you took the Braves and uh, you were right. So No, I took the Phillies last year. Oh, you took the Phillies last yeah, year? Yeah, you were right. Oh, I'm sorry. The Phillies, I, I was the giving you the credit. Through 100 games, the Phillies were better. But then all the pitchers hit a wall or got, went on the disabled list and that was the end of that. Brian Snicker, uh, I, if I I think if you had known that Snit was in charge of the Braves, that, I, 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 that was the obstacle for you was Freddie Gonzalez. I underestimated well, Matt Kemp, Dan, Dansby Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the Braves did change their whole oh, their team when they went out and got a couple of veteran guys and decided, wait a minute, let's stop giving AJ all these at bats. They did that, but at the same time, and they also got a boost of like they energy for a team like that. Like the Phillies at the end of the year just looked gassed. They, they were done. They were toast. And whereas the it was Braves, a bad team in September. It was awful. Very very bad. Whereas the Braves looked like a team that was not gassed. No. And credit does go, I think, to. You know, front office Brian Snicker for, but they also most of the guys they were playing in September weren't playing for them in April, so they weren't gassed partly because it's like playing well. This is new, yeah, that's <laughs> and right. the guys who were their older guys who were the first half guys like the the Eric Ibar AJ Przinsky combo up the middle. That's a great team in 2009, but in 2016 that didn't quite work out. Um, so. Yeah, go ahead. You know, nobody picked the Rockies, which I, was my second choice here. But they did come up a disappointing offseason, did they not? Well, those, those, those things. I, 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 think I think both things can be true. And that's the thing. I think that, I think you're right about that. I think they, they had, and I think we talked about this in their podcast, Jerry. Uh, Jerry. JJ. <laughs> I've, got, I've got Seinfeld on the brain. Um, I guess I've been just hanging Welcome out. Welcome to the Baseball around, America Seinfeld I've been on Kenny Seinfeld Rogers podcast. Roosters, and it's freaking me out. Um we did talk about in the Rockies podcast, JJ, about how their offseason was so weird. Actually, one thing I forgot to do in the podcast, Twitter is a wonderful thing because I mentioned on Twitter, hey, who had such a bad first free agent season like Jason Hayward? And here are the responses. I got like, I have 28 responses nice. in my Twitter. Uh, so Sean Figgins, Melvin Upton, Bobby Bowe, BJ Upton, so that's Melvin. Another Sean Figgins vote. Adam Dunn, 2011, takes the cake for me. Carl Crawford is prominent in my mentions. Crawford. I think Carl Crawford almost as bad Good as one. Jason Hayward. I don't think his I don't think his first BJ season Austin was as fits bad. In there too. Um, Mo Vaughn with the Mets that was epically bad. It wasn't a free agent deal. It was a trade. Oh, that was a trade. Mel, with the Angels. Him with the Angels. Yes. He he also was one of those guys who like it was Jafet Amadorish in his uh, in, compor- like, in his look. in his first week with the Angels he fell down the dugout steps. <laughs> um, but a lot of votes for BJ Upton and Adam Dunn. Somebody. Uh, Somebody voted for Ryan Howard, but that was like that wasn't he didn't leave, but that was an Carlos awful. Beltran with the Mets had a bad 2005, but then rebounded. But 2006 was a fantastic season for him. 
Um, but Carl Crawford and then Jason Bay, our old friend Matt Myers, chimes in. So a lot of Mets fans chiming in here with first year. Carlos Lee kind of. I think his first year was actually okay with the Astros. First couple of years. Julio Lugo with the Red Sox. That was a bad one. Josh Hamilton from our friend uh, Sungmin Kim, just back from Korea, the World Baseball Classic. He votes Josh Hamilton in the Angels. That's one of the all-time bad ones. Mm-hmm. Milton Bradley with the Cubs. And then Pablo Sandoval got a lot of votes Josh, as well. Josh Hamilton's got to be pretty high up there because yes. they, they, they basically were willing to trade him away for, in essence, nothing just and pay the contract just to get him gone. Yeah, pretty That's, much. That was Brock Osweiler to the Browns this week where they yes. talked about, hey, we're really excited about the second-round pick that you, we got on the You can tell trade. Paul DePodesta was paying yeah. attention. It has a baseball reference to yeah, it. Definitely. Yeah. The... Uh, the Rockies, I think the biggest surprise. I think for them, the wealth of homegrown or young talent they have coming up this year, I think it makes a big difference. Will they contend with the Giants and Dodgers? Probably not for six months, but maybe for three. It's difficult to see them, just because the Dodgers and Giants have so many different ways to win. Where you see that the Rockies, kind of their path has to be, okay, Story has to stay healthy the whole year. Cargo has to stay healthy the whole year and motivated. They have to mash, and they need all these young pitchers to I know. continue it's, to navigate. With, with two young catchers behind the plate. So it, it's, you a, you, it's a lot to Tony, ask. You're not on the Tony Walters, Tom Murphy platoon bandwagon? That's like my favorite. They're good. I am on that bandwagon. They're I good, but I, to, to play yes. into October, I don't think they're that good. Sage old veteran Chad Bettis is the, and Tyler Chatwood are the, the two grizzled vets on that rotation and battery. You'd be like, really, that's what it is surprising. I also I'm, I am curious by some of the moves – that the Rockies front office has made. The Desmond trades, I mean, the signing has been picked over. Yeah. Mike Dunn and Greg Holland, that's interesting. You know, they paid a lot of money, but I guess they have the money to spend again. The thing that, the, 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 all these things come in threes. The weirdest move for me was trading Eddie Butler to the, to the Cubs when he still had an option left. That part I didn't get. I mean, I understand giving up on Eddie Butler. I'm not criticizing that. From their standpoint, they know the player. But it seems like they, they DFA'd him, mm-hmm. and he had an option left. That seems there's, there's, strange. That's, that I suggests off-the-field stuff to me. That's what it suggests to me as well. Uh, he is a reclamation. He's a bounce-back candidate for me. If he turns into a guy with the Cubs, like a poor man's Jake Arrieta, he's not going to be like a number one starter. Or, but if he turns into the guy for the Cubs who in the next two years makes a playoff start, that won't surprise or me. Or a rich bit. man's Chris Volstad, another Cubs reclamation project. Well, let's hope he's better than that. Oh, yeah, that's that's... I think he's better than Chris Volstad. I'm just saying the Cubs made a lot of speculative plays, and Arietta right. and Hendricks really paid off. Right. But they also gambled on Butler and Volstad. There's a lot who didn't turn and out. The, but the thing about it is... He could just be Trevor Cahill. But the, the, the great Long part about reliever. that is, is that if he doesn't turn out, if you make ten of these moves, right. and one of them turns out, like they've had two turn out, then... You've not just won. It's not even close. Because the downside of getting Eddie Butler and he's not any good is nothing. And the upside of him being, even like you said, even if he became Trevor Kale, the upside there is we didn't give much up. I mean, that's... And plus, right now, the Cubs get to say, he's my butler. (laughs) Keeping the theme alive. Some other... I I mean, one I wanted to bring up was, because I think, I know I think of where you are on this, John, because... We know a lot of what yes, we're thinking we because we have these things. We talk about these things in the office all the time. It's a great thing about working at Baseball America when our job is, is hey, let's talk about this today. Yeah, exactly. But the Mariners made a lot of moves. The Mariners have had – the Mariners always. Jerry DePoto makes a lot but of moves. But nobody made more moves than the Mariners. The Mariners Maybe have, ever. <laughs> yeah. The Mariners have made a lot of moves. And 
you look at it in the uh, in a very competitive AL West where you have. I, I do feel like when you talk about the regression candidate, obviously everyone's talking about the Rangers as a regression candidate because right. they were so good in one run games last year. They beat their Pythag by a ton. By a ton. Yeah. But you still have. I mean, you have to say the Rangers are there most every year. Yes. The Astros. It's a culture now in Texas. The Astros are should be a playoff contender at the least, if not more. I've got them in the World Series myself. Like there is, there's a. It's a very competitive. And the Angels, if every if everyone stays healthy, which yeah. never happens with the That's Angels. That's a competitive division. But if everyone stays healthy, they are a, a team that could frighten you because, for one, they have the best player in baseball. They have a ten-win player, and, and you know, and his orchestra. And and if they're pitching again, if everyone stays healthy, which it won't, but if everyone does, they could be okay. Where do you think? I mean, where are the Mariners? I mean, this is a team that it has contended to at least stay in the periphery of a playoff hunt. Not that long ago. I, uh, I agree with Jerry DePoto, his motivation in that, A, their old organization needed to shake up. Mm-hmm. B, you have one of the highest paid players in baseball, and he's not getting younger in Robinson Cano. You have to strike while Cano's still at his peak, and while Nelson Cruz is still taking whatever magic beans he's taking. And I don't mean that in any PED sense. The guy's just defying time. He's just so good. Um, he got a late start to his career, and mm-hmm. I mean, that guy... That guy's really amazing. I mean, how good he's been so late in his career. But for me, they kind of just spun their wheels a little bit. Some of the later trades have been trades for the sake of trades. I don't know if the Mariners have won every trade. You know, I like Seth Smith. I, I mean, I understand why they traded for Yavani Gallardo. They needed pitching depth. But Seth Smith's better than what they're going to trot out on the corners for me. Uh, he was a pretty productive player for them, in a, especially as a platoon. Right. Yeah. Um, and they are in the American League, and they can DH him and Cruz a little bit. I know they're going to be bad defensively. They do that. They're all in on the outfield defense. Where right. have I seen that before? Oh, wait, it was in Seattle in the late, not, in the late part of last decade. Jack Zorensic tried that there. I, I, I just thought some of their moves were kind of got to the point of moves for the sake of moves. I'm not on their first base platoon of Valencia and Vogelbach. Those guys are DHs too. Um, so, you know, if you're going to trade for Gerard Dyson, you're going to make him an everyday player. Play him in center field, not left field. So I, I understand why they made a lot of deals. I'm not sure they're better for it. I didn't like the trade they made with the Diamondbacks giving up uh, um, Taiwan Walker. Taiwan Walker for John, Gene Segura. I thought they bought very high on Gene Segura. I, I like Taiwan Walker. And Mitch Hanniger, perhaps. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm not, I, I didn't love that deal for them either. So we'll see. I could, I could be wrong, but I thought huh. that in total – they kind of spun their wheels. I still, I still think they're the third best team in that division. Um, I do not think the the deals they made put them over the top. I love it. I, I I think you have to concentrate all your wins on this year and next year because you have Cano and Cruz and and Felix Hernandez. You know, Felix is a you have huge three part of three that. of the best players in the league if they if they play up to their potential. Uh, I think and three who by twenty. I mean three who by twenty eight nineteen twenty twenty. Two of those, I would say Cano's still going to be very but Cruz and Felix both could be very much on downsides. Yeah, you have a... a Felix is on his downside. You have, a bad, you have a bad farm system, so you're not going to get any help there. Yes. Uh, and, and Plus, I just love the novelty of having somebody try this. I think it's great, <laughs> I think it's great when front offices execute different plans and different philosophies, so I, I'm glad somebody's trying this. I, I think he, what, had nothing, to, he didn't to, have much to lose. To try to... Exactly. I, what I like that he did, this is something that happens when you have new front offices come in yeah. On bad farm systems, if you're existing, 
you kind of hold on to some of your prospects because they're proof of your what you've done. When you're a new front office, you come in and you say, we don't like this farm system. Right. They were, are willing to trade anyone and everyone almost from that farm system because they're like, we think that the guys we'll get back are better than the guys we're trading away. Right. Now, we will find out whether they're right or not, but when you even like, again, it's not a blockbuster deal in any stretch, but Alex, but, but Alex Jackson was... A top, you know, was the sixth pick in the draft not that many years ago. Right. And they looked at it and said, our evaluation is he's not very good. And could we get Max Posey for him? <laughs> okay. And in fact, he's, he's not as good as Max Posey. <laughs> right. So we're going to do that. That is something that really is kind of, for good or bad, it is the freeing influence of it being a new front office. Right. An existing front office never makes that move yeah. because it's admitting that they screwed up. Right, But a, a new front office does that. Again, it's a lot of moves you could say that these are, a lot of what they did are peripheral. It's but like they, hit, they hit 12 singles instead of one or two home runs. But I don't think they had 12. <laughs> they had like 17 trades. I think some of them they struck out. You think there's some strikeouts in there? I mean, Mike Montgomery for Dan Vogelbach's a whiff. I mean, Dan, Mike Montgomery in their projected rotation would be their number two or three guy. For me, I mean, that guy's pretty good. He was just starting to blossom in Seattle. And that was a coup for the Cubs. I mean, I just don't think if you're going to trade Seth Smith because he's not good enough defensively, and then you're going to go acquire Dan Vogelbach and Danny Valencia as your two first basemen, those guys are brutal defensively. They're bad. They're going to be, and that's going to be a hole at a position that handles the ball a lot. I think it's a bigger miss to be that. So I, I think they've improved their outfield defense. Their infield defense to me is worse. I, I think it's a problem for them going forward. I, I, that, that, that's one that clued me into, like, wait a minute. He's just making deals now to make deals, it seemed like. So I, I've just – Every league has somebody like that. It but, does, but, absolutely. See, where I like it more than you is, is that I do think that a lot of these are peripheral moves. But I think that that was – if you go back to two years ago and say what was the Mariners' problem in many ways, as you've said, they have these – these transcendent guys. I mean, I'm not have... saying they shouldn't have shaken things up. I'm just saying I like the idea of shaking it up, but that doesn't mean that they that they got that much better. I don't. I don't think they did. What I like about it is, is then we'll see if it works out. But what I like it is, is that I feel like now every team really wants to have nowadays eight or nine starting pitchers when you start the season because you know you're going to have injuries. You know you're going to need them. And I feel now a lot of these guys are low ceiling, but I feel like they have eight or nine guys now. I didn't. I didn't feel like they did. A year or two ago, I know you disagree on that. I, yeah, I mean, like, I just don't. I don't think that. Think of all the. It's not home. that different. The guys who are different, they've added outsider Gallardo, but that was for swapping out think, Walker. Think of all the home runs that Jared Dyson's going to take off of Dylan Overton's stat right, line. That's right. It's, just Dylan by Overton. I don't even think he was even part of this conversation. <laughs> Dylan I mean, Overton, Max Posey, <laughs> but like the, the, so. more from inside the organization. Right. So I don't think Max Posey's getting in the big leagues this year. Do we want? I don't. I think we should move on. Yes, yeah. we should move Let's on. Let's do the best or worst offseason. Do you want to go half full or half empty first? Let's go half empty. But I do think people <laughs> I, I think people banged on the Blue Jays. A couple people banged on the Blue Jays, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that, that there's some uh, – when I read it, I thought the critique was accurate. This was a market where the power market was so uh, defined as anybody want – I hit home runs. We'll hit home runs for food. But they acted very early and – they're pretty weak in the outfield corners, Matt, and they signed Kendrick Morales for $11 million a year. 
Kenneth Morales and his agents made a, the right move. They made the right call. Get ahead of this market. Let's sign up now while before people figure this out. So I still think the Blue Jays are contenders in the American leagues, but again, oh, yeah. American League East. But, but again, they have the they got to thread that needle, and I don't love their outfield and their no, power right I now. No, to me, Marcus Stroman is the reason why I'm optimistic about the Blue Jays. I think he's a huge breakout yes, candidate. Good call. Him no, and, great call. Him and <laughs> him and Aaron Sanchez. I think it, that's a legit one too. Uh, in terms of most disappointing, the Blue Jays came up. I went with the Pirates. Here's, Pirates. Where, here's where we can expand on this. Yeah. Because to me, they, they, they were pretty rudderless. They, they could have traded McCutcheon to improve their 2017 team, but at the same time, they made no actual... They, they signed Daniel Hudson and some minor league free agent types. <laughs> they are a team that, for right or wrong, I do feel like they're very much a team that they're all about expanding the, the window of competitiveness much more than ever going all in on a year. Right. The... Derek, Pirates fans, I can understand Pirates fans being very upset with that because the reality is, is it has not paid off with one real successful playoff run yet. They've been around it a lot, which, let's be honest, if you're a Pirates fan for the 20 years before that, sounds really good. Yeah. but Not good enough But right there, it is something where it's every year it's like, okay, how do we expand this for another few years instead of it ever being, no, this is the year we're pointing to. And we'll see how that works out. But I agree with you. That they didn't. No, they're they're very much. They didn't do anything to make this year a big year. They did everything to kind of like, even the moves like, hey, we're going to try to get out from under this contract with Liriano. Right. Yeah. It's all about can we expand it longer? We, right. Can we they're, just keep it going? They're two best players. However you slice it, two of their three most talented players are on the way out. McCutcheon and Garrett Cole are not long-term Pittsburgh Pirates. That is the reality. So whether they win, so so what they've tried to do instead of like we're going to win, it's like we would just argued with the Mariners. The Mariners are like we're going to win while we have Cruz, mm-hmm. Felix, and Cano. The Pirates have taken the opposite tack, which is we're going to try to stretch this out. We're not going to go all in while we have McCutcheon and Cole under contract. Those guys are going to be gone one way or the other from Pittsburgh. They are not long-term Pirates. So it's weird that to me it's like a little incongruous that you would say. You're agreeing with what the Pirates are doing and with what the Mariners are doing because they're in kind of a similar situation. No, but I think as they, I see it. But the thing to me is, is that with the Mariners, when you talk about that, those moves are all peripheral moves that have done. They've not traded. I, Mike Montgomery may be the so only why one. Why shouldn't they've made the? Why shouldn't the Pirates have made the similar peripheral moves? They did not make any peripheral moves. That's Matt's whole they point. Think, they think the peripheral moves are coming from a, a still very good farm system. That is the difference. With, with a lot is, of major league ready. They guys. have a good yeah. farm system with major league ready guys, whereas the Mariners had a terrible farm system. And so you, that is you the difference. take different approaches. They broke out again last year. Tyone, Glasnow, Cool, Brault, four rookie starting pitchers. They and again, when you look at them now, they're still most of those guys right. are going to be relied on this year. Josh Bell came up last year. I agree with you. He is brutal defensively at first, but he can hit. And they're he like, can hit. and they're like, okay. You said about McCutcheon and Cole. The thing about this is that you look at them now and say, if this Pirates team is going to be successful, it's going to be more about Polanco and Marte being the stars of 2016, 17, 18, 19, sure. and beyond. They and they have that possibility. I don't think they have the upside that McCutcheon has shown. I don't think those guys' best will be as good as Kutch's best was. A polarizing team, the Pirates. Yeah, they are. For me, for me, I'm, I'm more on your side. I think they're. 
I, you know, I think you have to strike a little bit more with an iron top like that. And you don't to have be to fair, use prospects to win in the big leagues by calling them up. They could have packaged some of those prospects. I mean, Chris Sale was out there, and he's very cost controllable. Why would they not get in on Chris Sale? How much different would you view the Pirates if they traded for Chris Sale instead of the Red Sox trading for Chris with, Sale? With Austin Meadows in the corner. Yeah, instead of I mean, production. if you want big league ready they prospects, would, they wouldn't have Austin Meadows. They would, if you're going to do a package to get Chris Sale for the Pirates, no, Austin Meadows would be playing for the Pirates. No, I'm saying he'd be part of the trade. I'm saying, well, no, Mc, no, McCutcheon for sale. No, well, were, I, I was the, thinking it was more the White prospects. Sox would, the White Sox wouldn't do McCutcheon. Yeah, I was sale. thinking it would be more Pirates prospects yeah. for Chris Sale or for for any of those kind of pitchers or uh, other other team stars that were available. I, I don't see why they wouldn't have been. You can be aggressive when you have a farm system that's that, that, that that's like theirs, that's deep like theirs. I, I understand why they're depending on their guys, but last year you said the same thing for the Astros. It did not work out. They still have a great farm system, but they didn't make moves. And that wasn't the only reason they didn't make it to the postseason, but their su- giant sucking hole at first base was a big reason. Oh, absolutely. And maybe if they picked up James Loney instead of playing the first baseman that they did play, it, that might have been the difference for them. Something as simple as a perfectly capable big league first baseman. So that, I, I feel like the Pirates are kind of repeating the mistake that the Astros made. I'm a, I'm a dispassionate guy in many ways. And it is, it's like, for me, it is like, I'm, it doesn't always work out. But, and I agree that I follow what you're saying. I, to me, if you have no farm system, I don't mind you trading the Angels from a few years ago when they made that one right. place where it's like, whatever you want. Okay. Or the Marlins, as you very well argued, I think, Matt. Like, if you have no prospects, if your prospects are garbage, trade them for anything you can get. I totally agree. <laughs> Their prospects are garbage. They could have gotten stars for it. Mm-hmm. And your disappointing team, John? I don't even remember, but I, oh, I said the uh, Tigers. Um, you know, I just feel like they're caught in between. I understand their mitigating circumstances. Obviously, that's what I wrote about was the loss of Mike Gillich. I, I love their patch on their uniforms, the Mr. Eye patch for Mike Gillich. <laughs> Um, the more you read about Mike Gillich, and which we've, I've read about him more since he since he da- since he died, than I ever had before. Uh, yeah, to be, before he was almost like a, a caricature of a little Caesar's pizza owner and you know rich guy who owned two teams. Um, but it seems like he was a decent guy who was a, a, a benevolent and good owner. I also like the fact of an owner who poured the money he had into trying to win. Mm-hmm. That motivation is gone in Detroit. So I just feel like they're caught in between a little bit. It feels like. If Illich had been healthy and fully engaged, they would have made one more push this offseason because they were close last year to winning that division or making a post- the postseason. They were mm-hmm. in into the last weekend for a wild card spot. When the Braves whooped them. That's right. But when you have a bounce-back season like they got out of Justin Verlander, when you still have the best hitter on the planet for mm-hmm. me and Miguel Cabrera, not the best player, but the best pure hitter, and you still have other key pieces, I, I thought they needed to add to that, and they really had a very inert offseason. Yeah. So that, that's why they were my choice. No, I, I agree with them. that, that I, I agree with that, that I don't see them contending, but at the same time they haven't done a teardown. I, the one I picked for the, kind of the same way is, is that's worse, but yeah. they, I don't know here. where the A's are right now. Like, And I say that from the standpoint of... They're in Oakland, but that's not a good place to be. But, but this team has not been good. Yeah, I mean, they haven't been in the middle. They've been just above the dregs. For the last couple of years, really, they were pretty dregsy last year. You made the playoffs in twenty fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. No, no. But I'm saying the last two years, this is a team since they started to try to be bad. <laughs> but they, they haven't. Even, they've but, been bad, but they haven't been the worst. But the thing about it is, is and I know I do like the trade. I do like that they what they did with Rich Hill last year was brilliant. I think that that was brilliant. That brilliant. worked out. That that will pay off for them for years to come. But I look at this. I I look at them and say this is the team 
who is trying. I kind of feel like they're trying to win eighty. And yeah, they've, they've they've succeeded in winning sixty eight and sixty nine the last two years. But what's amazing is to me is that they don't seem to have a plan. They didn't recognize what they had in twenty fourteen. They totally misread their own big league roster. They have been horrible offensively since they made the tr- so they traded Cespedes. In 2014, I wrote this uh, in the handbook. In 2014, they were first in the league in scoring before they traded Cespedes. They wound up that year second or third in the American League. Then they were ninth in 2015, and they were dead last last year. There's also this ridiculous revisionist history going on on, this, on the interwebs, especially on Twitter, when Brett Lawry was released, and it's like, well, that is another indictment of the trade the A's made, the, the, the Donaldson trade. But there's this revision of like, hey, Kendall Graveman has been pretty good. There's still a chance for Sean Nolan and Franklin Barreto's in the top 100. Big effing deal. You traded Josh Donaldson with four years of control. Look at the deals that were made this offseason for players with control. The A's misread their own roster, and they made one of the worst trades ever. Just just. A joke. That's a sixty grade rant. That's a number. Maybe that's a more. Maybe more. That's a seventy. That's <laughs> why I called the last one a fifty such because B- that was a it's seventy. Just, no, just such BS. The real fireworks are coming next. Yeah. Why are people <laughs> going out of their way to defend the A's on this? I just don't get it. What is this? No, no, that, what is this spell is, they have over people? There is no defense to the Josh it's Donaldson trade. There's none. none. There's none. There's none. There's none. Also, no, that's the, the John they, Lund, the, the Addison Russell trading Addison Russell with the Cubs. What was that trade I was for? Addison I Russell forgot. for Jeff Samarja and Jason Hayes. The Samarja trade. And Bill McKinney. Oh, my God. I mean, like, how do you give up Addison Russell? What? Who are, who is this guy? I mean, that, I, only you, Billy Bean could make trades like that and keep his job. Who but, else keeps their job? You, you, Sorry. You, you can't, you can't, revi- that'd be like revision. like saying, the aftershock. But Andrew Miller <laughs> has turned out to be really good. So, hey, that Miguel Cabrera trade was good yeah, for Yeah, exactly. Bottom. Exactly. That's what it's like. It's, it's just, it, it's just so bad. You have to know your own talent to to, be, again, to win. The, the thing about it is, is when they traded Donaldson at the time, it everybody was, was like, "What the hell?" And that that's what what I'm saying though is, is, where I look at this team right now, who is like, if you, what is the scenario that you map out with the A's right now that gets them to competitive? And by competitive, I mean wild card contention. What, what it has you, to come from pitching um, because they have loaded up on some pitching. They do have some interesting pitching, whether it's Jarrell Cotton or Sean Manaya, Daniel Mengen. They have a lot of pieces. Hoping that Sonny Gray comes back from. And that's the big problem is that they're kind of building around that, and that's a very volatile commodity. And Sonny Gray's already been shut down for the rest of spring training. So and the, that, and hurts, that hurts that hurts his trade value, that's, and that hurts their big league team. Right. So they're the and, one team in that division that there's they're not competitive this year. But you look at it and you say you look at that lineup and you say okay. Again, a team that had Josh Donaldson. Nowadays, who do you? I mean, Stephen Vogt. Stephen Vogt is that Marcus your, Simeon? Is that Chris your, Davis at his two ninety on base? <laughs> I mean, seriously. And their big offseason move was Rajay Davis. Well, who, who, who? What's going on here? Or Trevor Plouffe? Yeah, I mean, like seriously, what is going on but, here? But again, like the argument I, you can I, make I'd on like that is, is, but what I'm saying is, is and I, is that better? Is that better than basically? Instead of going out and getting Rajah Davis and Trevor Plouffe, which admittedly are not big ticket acquisitions, correct? But those are the kind of moves the Pirates should be making. But <laughs> but is that better than being what the Phillies or the Braves or the Astros or the Cubs like? That's aren't you better just saying, you know what? Instead of we know that Trevor Plouffe will not be part of the next. Your your hope when you do that is is you're holding on to Trevor Plouffe for 
two months, yeah. and you're hoping that there's enough there. That, but but is Trevor Plouffe going to have trade value? The tip-off to the rip-off is the, the fact that they don't really have a plan, that they're in this middle ground, is that they gave up Dylan Overton. If they really tried to tank and had kept Dylan Overton with his 12 home runs and 24 innings last year, I mean, epic. I'd love to see that guy over 150 innings. I mean, it would be a, a wonderful strat experiment to see what would happen. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that's the thing. I, I agree with you, JJ. They're kind of stuck in the middle. I mean, I do like Raven, Mania, by, by middle. You're not going to make me defend them, are you? No, but by middle. By middle, I, again, they're stuck I at think like, they could They're stuck at like the 8th to 12th. They're like in the 8th to 12th pick in the draft range. I think they could win 75. Yeah, maybe. But winning 75 to 80 doesn't I, – I am. I am. I know that there are fans out there who go, no, you should try every year. If the Twins are winning 75 games with a big step forward from Berrios and Sano and Buxton, you're excited. But if these guys are doing it with a nice year from Roger Davis and Trevor Plouffe and Chris Davis with his K-H-R-I-S and Marcus Simeon – the, the K is for strikeout. Ex- I'm not yeah, nicely done. <laughs> I'm just not as excited. So I I I don't see the A's plan. So but okay. defend the A's. No, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, how do we wrap now, up? Now we're going half full. Best off seasons. We, we probably should go a little more quick quickly on this one, but Best off season. JJ I'm gonna let you answer J- first. JJ and I had the same pick and I know John disagrees, so who did, who'd you guys pick? We both picked the Astros. Oh, oh yeah. no, I don't think they had a terrible off season. Oh I think they, I like think that. they I to, to me the Astros they did exactly what you like. You said what they did last year that didn't work out was we are depending on homegrown. We're gonna homegrown. we're gonna count on that we're gonna have a first baseman between AJ Reed and Jonathan Singleton, and that did not work out. We're gonna have an outfield, and their outfield, every single guy in their outfield, who some of whom had played very well the year before. You had the Colby Jacks, and yeah. you had Carlos Gomez, you know, and every one of those guys took a big step back. And so what they said is this year is no, we are. We're rebuilding the outfield. George Springer, you get to stick around. Everyone else, you're either in a much smaller role yeah. or you're gone. I like what they did position player-wise. What's not to like? Carlos Beltran is a DH with some occasional outfield time. Brian Huge, I thought a very big upgrade behind the plate. And Brian McCann from yes. a leadership standpoint. No well, one will have fun in Houston this year, that's for sure. Love that trade. Um, Josh Reddick is a free agent sign. That was a smart move, smart mm-hmm. pickup. I just, they, uh, they're incongruous to me, Matt. They don't have a lot of power arms in their rotation in a no, power era. No, they don't. But I... Also, Nori Aoki. Yes. I mean, they, they clearly went for more contact and left-handed bats, which was a deficiency la- on last year's team. So, but, again, recognizing what you have yeah, and addressing it. But John's point about pitching. The starting rotation could be a problem. That's it, my if only McCullers question. can't stay healthy, if McHugh is not the 2015. Are you telling me that someone who throws 60% curveballs, <laughs> it is the most power curveball of any power curveball, that that may be difficult to do <laughs> over 200 innings? However... I, I do expect to see Francis Martez by June. Martez and Paulino are keys for them, in my opinion, of them. Martez is the top pitching prospect who's healthy mm-hmm. right. in baseball. I think they're going to trade some prospect surplus for a starting pitcher, Jose Quintana, somebody like that. Yeah. So I think I think there is lots of upside in the rotation, despite not being a, an October caliber staff right now. And I, and I do think Joe Musgrove. You know my. Joe Musgrove fandom. I think that Musgrove he could, love. I think that he could be, you know, again, when you talk about power arm, he's a guy who could, you know, 93, 94 mile an hour fastball with exquisite command for his age, all that. I do think their bullpen's deep. And the other thing is, is that they have depth from the standpoint of if they have injuries, you know, like because they went out and acquired guys, like you look at their outfit and you say, okay, let's say that Nori Aoki wakes up and goes, you know what, I'm old. And so he's, well, 
Then you've got Teoscar Hernandez. And you've Might got be hard for him to play without the band behind him, or the, the fans cheering and uh, the Indiana Jones theme song they were doing for him. But it's pretty you know, awesome. It is WBC it's, fever, man. It's you gotta awesome. catch it. It's, it's I awesome. see that. Every you know every every different Japanese player has his own chant, and they do it every time he comes up. The thing wow. is, the, awesome. the Astros do have a lot of Plan Bs, JJ. Pretty much at every spot. Yeah, right. He, you, there is not a player on this team. Carlos Correa is great. Carlos, but if Carlos Correa suffered a season-ending injury tomorrow in the WBC, perish the thought. Don't say that. But Alex Bregman slides over. And then you say, okay, so what's our third baseman going to be? He's, well, you know what? Yuleski Gurriel is going to play third. Okay, wait. Or, or J.D. Davis. Or you Colin know, Moran. Or Colin Moran. <laughs> okay, you've or got Tyler a, White. You've or Marvin Gonzalez. You've got a problem at second. Hey, by the way, Alex Bregman or Yuleski Gurriel can play there. Okay, in the outfield. Teoscar I would Hernandez. love to see them play Yuleski Gurriel at 33 at second base. So would the rest of the American League West. <laughs> They ain't happening, JJ. The, the, those, so you, the thing is, you hit on the two guys. You hit on the Murphy two guys. Murphy was twenty-three, not thirty-three. Yeah. Exactly. You hit on the two guys they can't lose. Altuve and Correa, as good as Bregman mm-hmm. is, those guys are different cats. Right. And I, I think Bregman can be a different cat too. Mm-hmm. That's why I like this team. And but the, if you lose one of those two guys in the middle, the, the they're negatively affected. If George Springer, if George Springer, you're asking him to be probably your fifth best player in your lineup. Because if Brian McCann is who we, you know, Brian McCann's not probably bat lower because they only get the left-handed batters yeah. up higher. But but that is you're but, asking him to be their third best player. Bregman's awesome. Springer is too. Springer should be better this year than Bregman. He has some. He, he hasn't. This will be the first year where we see what Bregman does over a full course of a season. I believe in Alex Bregman. I've always been too light on him, but George Springer is pretty stinking good. But that's one. Yeah. yeah. So I do think I think that this is a team. That and again, the AL West. For all that it could be very competitive, every other team in the AL West, with probably the exception of the Rangers, who I can't see completely collapsing, but the Angels could easily be a seventy-win team. It's not. It does not take too many steps to go. Uh-oh. I mean, if the Angel, if Mike Trout gets hurt for the first time in his career, if he misses a month with a knee injury, how many games do the Angels win? Fifty-nine, sixty? Seriously. If he's a five-win player one year and not a ten-win player, how bad are the Angels? I would say they're five wins worse. All of it, all of it, a little bit worse than that. Everything collapses for them. They, they don't. That's a team that has no plan B. They have one plan. They, 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 again, I still think they had a good offseason, though, Matt. Yeah, you picked them for best offseason. Could you care to elaborate? I, I think they had a great offseason because they didn't have much to work with. And in the past, their way to try to address things has been $125 million contract for Josh Hamilton. By the way, we did have one last good tweet about first-year contracts. Mark Davis. That's like the all-time. That is. Mark, I was there. Mark, I covered Mark Davis and his 7 ERA in the Braves. Mark Davis uh, got the Cy Young Award for the Padres in 1989 with 44 saves and a 185 ERA. And the next year for the the big money Royals, he had a 511 ERA and six saves. Sorry, I wasn't so, there. I should say I wasn't there for that. I was there for Jonathan for John Sherholtz trying to do a reclamation project yeah. with Mark Davis in the next year in Atlanta. But the thing is, most of the time in recent years, the Angels have made giant moves, splashy moves, mm-hmm. and they haven't worked out. And this year, you know, they made, I thought, rational moves. You know, Jared Weaver is a guy who gave a lot to that franchise, signed a lower contract, and was a great player for them for a the long time. But they were able to part ways with him in a uh, rational and dispassionate manner. Um, they made moves on the again on the periphery. They didn't give up a lot to get Danny Espinosa. They mm-hmm. signed Luis Valbuena, who's a good uh, depth piece for their roster. 
They didn't blow up what they had. Traded for Cameron Maben. Yeah, exactly. Cam Maben for Victor Alcantara. That was a huge two, win. For two them. huge trades. They improved their run prevention by quite a bit. So their pitching depth is was not easy to improve. It still feels like they actually improved by you know, just picking up Jesse Chavez as a extra guy instead of having to put in a, a Rasmus, a Corey Rasmus, who's only a reliever and stretching him out. Jesse Chavez is that perfect kind of sixth starter kind of guy. So. They're still banking on hey, if Alex Meyer is good and if Andrew Haney and Nick Tropiano can help us in the second half and if Garrett Richards stays healthy. There's too many ifs. Mm-hmm. But I do think that they, they helped the margin of their roster without really giving up much. I thought it was a smart offseason for them, and it's a good sign for the future for Billy Epler as their GM. Yeah, I'm also pro-Angels because Epler was pretty much a secret weapon for the Yankees for many years Yeah, and pro scouting. Yeah, I think so. I think the Yankees pro scouting had always been pretty solid. And we'll see, you know, Houston Street talking about dead cat, bounce, dead cat bounce. I don't know if you guys saw this story where basically he had an in-home gym that he built like four or five years ago. He just stopped using it. He, When his father, James Street, died, he took over the family business in the offseason and hmm. just like basically stopped working out. <laughs> so that didn't work for Houston Street last year. So I think I think you'll have one more good year out of Houston um, uh, uh, with, the, with the caveat that I'm hopelessly biased for Houston Street <laughs> despite his politics. Do you guys want to do some lightning round like MVP, Rookie of the Year picks? or I, th- I think we all picked Andrew Benintendi. And Dansby Swanson as our rookies of the year. And we all picked Benintendi over Swanson for a better year this year. I think we're all all in on Andrew Benintendi in the bat. I understand why the Red Sox would hit him third. That makes sense. In terms of MVP, is that exciting? It's just so hard to not pick. Yeah. In, in this decade, I think you're always going to pick Trout and Harper, aren't you, JJ? I, mean, like, I, I figure if I do that every year, I'll be – especially – If you I don't pick, pick Trout, Harper, pick, pick Bryant if you don't pick Harper. But if I, if I pick Mike Trout every year, I'll generally be right. I agree. It may be boring, I, but I'll generally. Be I chose right. Carlos Correa and Corey Seager. Young shortstops rule the day. You didn't want to be. You didn't want to be the same. I don't blame you for that. I think that makes sense. Matt, we should make you do the ad read. No, I, I, I'm all over it. <laughs> all right, I'm all over it. But before we do the Cy Young, um, I, you said Corey Kluber in the AL. I said Aaron Sanchez. Matt, you said Chris Sale. Also. I like I like the Aaron Sanchez pick, and I'll also say that um, I've seen people write about Corey Kluber's insane postseason workload. And I wish I'd thought about that more before I picked it. I really picked him more from the, I would like for this guy to win another one because he's so good. He's awesome. Even after the World Series, I still think he's underrated. And speaking of, yeah. you picked Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner to be the NL Cy Young. Winner. So did I. And so did you. I picked Noah Syndergaard. I think, you know, I, I want to see Noah Syndergaard at some point this year. It's like, okay, now he's throwing an, a 100-mile-an-hour slider, mm-hmm. which would, you know. But, he's a freak. Uh, he is a freak. He is a freak. <laughs> But we do thank you for the download. We uh, thank you for listening to this Baseball America podcast. And our Baseball America podcast are brought to you by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out www.baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona, with more to come. I think I'll be seeing one at the uh, new SunTrust Park before long in Atlanta. Pretty cool. Uh, visit baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to not only save 20% off, but also you're supporting the Baseball America podcast. And we thank you for doing that. For John Manuel and Matt Eddy, I'm JJ Cooper. So long, everybody, and we will talk to you again next week. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.